0: Yes, good morning, Cameron Skiving here with you on the Breakfast Show as always. But uh, we're joined now, as always, on a Wednesday morning by our good friend Dr. Andrew Corbett. G'day, Andrew.
1: Good morning. Guten Morgen. Indeed. Bonjour. Hohail <laughs> Do you know what that means? <laughs> oh, that sounds that sounds a little bit almost like Japanese. It is Japanese, <laughs> yes. It's the only word I can remember from school. Is that right? Yes. Well it's quite a it's quite a challenge to for us here in Tasmania to be able to develop any bilinguality. Oh, absolutely. Because... We right. can hardly speak English. Well... Some of us. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely true. I, 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 was, I was amused the other day to have someone write an email to me where they said, I look forward to seeing yous, Ooh, Y-O-U-S, and I thought, okay. what the heck is you? Oh, yous, oh. <laughs> it's, one of those, of sheep, <laughs> it's one of those... sheep, are we? It's one of those... Made up sort of words that's creeping into the yes. to the language, but it's uh, English is an interesting language. But we're not here today to no. talk about English. Hopefully, we'll talk English. Yes, but we're not here today. To, I
0: like your subject today to as well. about English. Yeah, yes. well, it's
1: it's one of those again. It's you know, each Wednesday is we're taking what we would have to consider to be a life skill, mm. and we look at these things of life. And I guess one of the things that I'm becoming increasingly aware of, Cameron, is that we have we we have so so many things to balance and juggle and work through in life that that sometimes these skills that perhaps years ago would have been taught to children yes. are not being taught now and we have we have a generation that is being saturated in rights and freedoms mm. <laughs> you know mm. i have the right i'm i'm mm. i have the freedom to do whatever and they've it used to be cameron that that came rights and freedoms or rights and liberties or another word for those is privileges came as a result of exercising responsibility mm. and we're almost we, we we're Treading on very thin ice, very dangerous ground now, where we've got a generation that demands rights and demands liberties, but doesn't accept responsibilities. And mm-hmm. this is, and I think as as parents, I mean, I'm, you know, my youngest child now is seven, and um, I'm, you know, sort of transitioning through life, and as I watch young parents, I, I see. That there are young parents who don't, I guess, appreciate the fact that it, it when when you give your child a task, it's it's not because you want necessarily the task done. It's because you want your child to learn to be responsible.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, even it's things good.
1: like cleaning your room, washing up after yourself during the day. Don't just plonk something in the sink. What, what is what is she? Your mother or your maid? You know, it's like mm. I see so many young people treat their their mother as if she was their maid you know oh mum will wash that up oh i don't have to make my bed mum will make my bed i don't have to tidy my room mum will tidy my room i don't have to clean up after myself mum will do it and of course there are unfortunately some mothers who actually confirm that they send the message even though they 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 plead and don't do this and don't do. They actually end up doing it. So really, what they do sends a message, and it and it creates a no responsibility generation. And that's I think at the heart of. I, I noticed in Queensland, Cameron. They're now talking about outlawing Facebook parties. See that where where young people will advertise no, I didn't, actually advertise yeah. that uh, I was on Way uh, <laughs> U C B news earlier in the week, I believe, or late last week, where they where where Queensland police are really concerned that young people are advertising, you know, parties at such and such an address. Oh yeah, I and, hear And that. and yes, thousands yes, yes, turn yes. up. Well that, yeah. that, you know, people are going, Well, we have the right to party and we have the yeah. the freedom to party. It's a free country, we can do whatever we want. But there's there's very little responsibility, you know, being yeah. exercised there and this is I think something that, that we need our children to understand because it's a basic life skill life doesn't actually work in the real world on a you you get all your rights and you get all your privileges and all your liberties without responsibility life just does not work that way it will come back and bite you and so when when we look at the, the skills for life one one of the most basic skills for life is how we get along with people and when we when we look at our, our life and how we are going to have a fruitful, rewarding, satisfying life. If we're in business, how we're going to build business and how we're going to become successful at whatever we put our hand to. There's no escaping this. We must learn to work well in a team. Mm. Even, you know, as I thought about this, that even the most ruggedly individualistic person needs a team. Yeah. That they need yeah. a team, and okay, we could I could offer example after example of people who claim they're not a team player, people who claim that you know they're the individual, they're the one solo, the solo man, they're the, you know they're the one who are doing it all by themselves for themselves, and they don't yes. need anybody. Yeah, and and that's just not true. It's just not true. Well, you know, if we take. Probably one of the best modern examples of the rugged individual might be Bear Grylls. Yeah, and you uh, could yes, you could look yes, at Bear Grylls yes. and think, "Wow, gee, look at him! He doesn't need anybody. He's out there doing his thing. He's all on his own." And then if you actually get to see the behind the scenes stuff, the the it's actually I think he travels. You know, when it looks like he's on his own, he, he's he'd have an entourage. He, he has a small entourage. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's about four, three or four people that travel with him. He has a. I think he has a rope man, a sound man, a cameraman, and a producer. And these guys are making him look, you know, making him look pretty good. Oh, yeah. And he acknowledges that. He acknowledges that, that without his team, he can't do it. Of course, you know, his his rope and safety guy gives him the briefing on, well, you know, we're going to drop you here and there. And so, there, so there's all this kind of behind-the-scenes stuff that's team. My favorite sport, is no surprise to you. It's tennis. I love tennis and tennis appeals to me because it it kinda is you. It's you on the other on on one end of the net. But but really you it, it is a team effort. And Andre Agassi in his book Open, which I read earlier this year, he he says that he came to that realization and it revolutionized the way he played tennis. That he, he realized that when he was on a court he was still actually a part mm-hmm. of a team. And he was mm-hmm. one of the first professional tennis players to travel with a small entourage. And he got ribbed for it, you know, like, who do you think you are? You, you're traveling with your own sort of entourage to make yourself look good and you're surrounding yourself, da-da-da-da-da. And he said he was completely misunderstood about it because he he realized that in order for him to give his best on the court he needed a team of people and mm. uh interestingly one of those uh one of one of the team members was a pastor and uh very very interesting that that he said he needed this man they're constantly talking with him to get his soul heart and head right and so he needed he needed a team and mm. one of there's a whole bunch of myths about team and if hopefully we might touch on some of those in our discussion but I just want to set it up that that Cameron, whether people acknowledge it or not, they are actually a part of a team. Every child who says to his parents, "You know, I hate you. You're you're the worst parents in the world." And by the way, parents, you've you've, you've heard that um, <laughs> from your child, it just simply means you're doing a good job, probably, yeah. uh, because it's the standard fare. Hmm. It, it's hmm. it's what parents have to experience and. Uh, every child who who thinks that is going going to very soon realise that they are a part of a team. And their team, mm. in that instance, is called their family. And every child knows, uh, whether they care to admit it or not, and perhaps parents may not even admit this, that when a child is a part of an intact team, in other words, mum and dad and brothers and sisters, and that team is together, there there is a certain benefit to that child. When that team is broken up, uh, every child will tell you it's a heartache for them. It it really, there's something not right. We're we're designed to be a part of team. Eventually, hopefully, that child will grow to be able to form their own team in a marriage. Marriage is teamwork, Cameron. We need need to recognise that when two people form a marriage, that they're a team. When they start a family, their team grows. When you go to work, you're a part of a team. Even if you're the the salesman out on the road doing your own thing, you know, well, if you don't, you should, you are utterly dependent on the rest of the team Mm. to make the whole sales process work. And we we are dependent upon team. Cameron, when we come back after this song, How about we begin to talk about what makes for a good team, how we can improve that team, some of the myths about teamwork, and how we can contribute to the teams that we're already a part of so that those teams become stronger and we can feel more satisfaction from being a part of that team.
0: There we are. Sounds awesome. Let's hear from Dr. Andrew Corbett. After this, this is from Ben Lee. It's called We're All In This Together. That's uh, singer-songwriter Ben Lee, and we're all in this together. Appropriate song to play during the discussion this morning with Dr. Andrew Corbett about um, improving your team. And, uh, yeah, we're all in this together. I think uh, if we, you know, remind our- ourselves constantly that, one, we're not alone in what we do. Uh, two, also, it's not just about us. It's about each other as a team.
1: Yeah, that's good, Cameron. That's profound. I'll just oh, sit here and listen. That's <laughs> really good. Okay. Well, that's what I got out of that
0: song. So good. I thought it was no, linked, no.
1: Yeah. As I said to you off air, I thought, oh, that's yeah. a really appropriate song. Yeah. Well done. Okay. Here's here's something about team that it's sometimes in life, Cameron. A lot of things just find their they find their natural level. Like water finds its natural level, and we can talk about what we what we claim we believe, we can talk about what what works best, and we can state the theory of it. But the reality is that life will tend to sort those theories and those beliefs out with reality. And mm. so what that translates into is that here's some people say, you know, I'm a team player, the bigger the team, the better. And, you know, I'm just such a big team player and da-da-da-da-da. Well, you know, the reality is that, that the best teams, the most functional teams range from anywhere from three, the, somewhere between six and 12 is optimum, up to about 15. And they, that's, about, that's about their limit. That, that's about the size of a team. Now, what's interesting is that, you know, because I, I thought about this and I saw that, you know, I've seen some of the research on this. You think well. Hang on. A football team's what? Eighteen players on the field. Yeah. Right. Eighteen players, but that but that is about fifteen. So, in it's not far beyond that. In in other words, it's not forty eight on the field. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I would think if you had a team of forty eight against a team of eighteen, the team of eighteen would probably win. It's as strange as that sounds because it's there's there's it's it's easier to communicate. In in a smaller team, it should be easier to communicate. Well, I don't think you'd be able
0: to fit that many people on the one field. Yeah, it actually, it
1: actually, it kind of becomes counterintuitive. It's the same as if you know you had two people playing four people in a game of tennis. The two people would probably win. It it becomes a little bit counterintuitive. In other words, big teams become unwieldy. The same as committees. You you don't want your committee as a team to be too big. And around six is optimum in a team. So five, six around is, is about optimum for a team size. And up to about 12, up uh, up to about 15. And of course, football teams that, that function around about 18. I think a basketball team is six on the court, I think, or five on the court, is it? I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Someone will probably let us know as far as the, the size of a basketball team. But But it still illustrates the point that no matter... No, no matter what you think you're doing, no matter what you claim you're doing, and you could have somebody who says, oh, well, you know, we're the exception. We're, we're a team of 40. And I, I guarantee you, you know, you might be in an office situation or a, a workplace situation. I guarantee if I walked into your so-called team of 40, I would quickly identify the teams. Not team, the teams. Right. They're, they're, in other words, there would be smaller groups. Yeah. Happening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now... That's very
1: th- this, true. this is this is critical where, where, because when you when you're looking at how you structure things and how you organize things y- you need to to recognize that your your team needs to be big enough, not too big mm, it needs to mm, be big mm, enough mm. and sometimes three, four, maybe five is big enough. remember talking with a businessman. Who said that he thought that the more staff he put on the bigger his company grew, the more profit they would make, the better they would become, and he actually found that the bigger he the, the more staff he got, the bigger his company got, the more problems he had the 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 less profit margin he had, and the the, the dysfunctionality increased in his team. And eventually, he actually whittled that team right down and became more profitable and uh, more efficient and, and so on. And and he found that he that, that if he was able to have just a, a small number of people around him, that they were able to achieve far more. So mm. teams work best when they are big enough. Big enough. Yeah. Not too big. Yeah. Big enough. Now, uh, my own father-in-law ran an engineering business and they had 100 staff. Uh, He was involved in pollution control. He was an environmental engineer. And they they were able to solve some of the the most toxic pollution problems around the world. And because they were so good at it, they were bought out by a multinational engineering firm. And he had a five-year contract with them. He had to... Continued to work for the company that took over. It was a British company that took over their uh, Australian uh, engineering company. But after the five years, he was released from that position, and they, you know, the the, the company that he had sold, they can continue mm. to do their thing. Well, he he started up as a as a consultant, more or less, uh, basically in the same field in environmental engineering, largely dealing with carcinogenic waste from hospitals and highly toxic waste from uh, usually national uh, waste problems. So he actually went from having a staff of 100 to having a staff of himself and two others. And he ended up having a greater turnover, a greater profit than he did when he had 100. Mm. Now it just illustrates that teams only need to be big enough big enough now when when we talk about a team it's we we need people who are going to contribute in what we call the three c's now've we've, t- we've talked about these three c's before. every team member, Cameron, must be able to contribute. Uh, a certain competency to the team. They they must bring certain skills yes. to the team. That's yes. competency. They also must have a chemistry that means that they can get along well w- with the rest of the team. So, uh, when when you have someone who uh, and this was actually suggested to me by by a listener, they they said, "Look, could you could you possibly talk about this issue?" what how do you deal with the person who has a very very domineering controlling sort of attitude um that they they just want to dominate and control people well um the the reality is that that some people just can't fit in a team and The, the the best you can do with someone like that is make sure they're not on your team. <laughs> yeah. yes. because, because here again, we, we have people who say, well, we can, um, uh, w- we can get uh, anybody to, to work well in our team. But the reality is, no, no you can't. I mean, just you, you might think that in theory, but the reality will be different. The reality will be different. And teams have this almost uh organic ability to expel people who aren't going to fit in, and so if someone's listening now and and you've you've gone from you know job to job to job because all the people there were bullies or all the people there didn't you know were were not nice or all the people there were jerks or whatever, maybe and this might be a very hard thing for you, very difficult thing. But maybe you have to take stock and say, "Hang on a minute, you know, I didn't fit in this team. I didn't fit in this team. I didn't fit in this team." There's only one thing consistent with this picture, and that's me. And maybe you've got to take a bit of a look at yourself and go, "Well, do I have the, you know, I may have the competency, but do I have the chemistry to get Mm. along with people?" Mm. Because team members realize they're not always going to get their way. Team members realize. Their opinion is not always the right opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But also, this is a difficult one. Team members are going, going to have to come to the point that sometimes their opinion is the right opinion. Yeah. But it, but it may not, it may not be appropriate to implement that that opinion. Mm. So, in other words, you you're going to have to acknowledge that somebody in the team makes the call. It may not be a call you agree with. It may not even be the best call. And I think this is how families work, Cameron. Sometimes um, functional families will, will recognise that the, the dad, the husband, he, makes, he bears the greatest responsibility for the family. He makes the call. And he may not make a good call. And if you're a dad or a husband out there and you're, you know, you're fearful of making decisions, well, I would just encourage you, make decisions and make the best decision you can. Mm. Go to the YFM dot org dot au slash download section and have a look at our talk on making decisions yes indeed and have a listen to that but essentially if you're a part of that team and someone's made a decision you didn't agree with being a part of a team is learning what that looks like get along mm. with that and mm. and to be able to to figure out later you know if that if you're proven true that decision wasn't the best well okay how do you tactfully say hey you know I said to you I didn't think this was the right decision and you know, as it turns out it wasn't. And I want you to know look, I backed you, I backed you on this, but I, I just think now maybe we can learn something from this. And that's how teams work, yeah, and that's a part yeah. of the seeing chemistry. Yeah. And then the final C just before we go to news, Cameron, is character. Teams need character, and I think character is that ability to be honest and transparent, that ability mm. to to not offer more than you can actually deliver, to be open, be upfront. If you don't know something, you you let someone know. If you can do something, you get it done. And effective teams recognise that just because you were given the job doesn't mean that that, that's precious, you know. Mm. The team will rally to get the job done. Anyway, let's come back after the news, and we're going to keep going. We're going to talk about some of the myths of team.
0: Okay. Back with uh, more shortly after UCB News with Dr. Andrew Corbett. It's 9 o'clock discussion with Dr. Andrew Corbett talking today about uh, how to
1: improve your team. Okay, so teams don't naturally just work. They require coaching, they require certain skills beyond the skills they bring to the team. There's actually certain team skills that are needed. One of those I just touched on before when when team members bring certain competencies they they need to recognise that there's a time when their competency is needed and another team member's competency is needed, which means they're, they're gonna be in the background. They're gonna to have to wait, or they're gonna, even the, to use the basketball expression, they're going to be benched. And I suppose it's a football expression it as is, well. It is, it is. And one of the things, uh, John Maxwell says, one of the things that makes for the a strong team, the difference between a good team and a great team is the strength of the bench the strength of the bench yeah. so that when needed one of the, the the people who are actually playing on the on the court or the field can come off and someone equally as strong can come on from the bench now the problem is who wants to be on the bench but this is where good teams are different from great teams mm-hmm. great teams have mm-hmm. great benches And it may mean, theoretically, it could mean that people could be on the bench and not actually get on the field or the court. And to be a part of the team, and I think I remember, uh, in fact, it was just a few years ago that uh, one of the Geelong players who had gone through the entire year, I think, undefeated, and they ended up winning the grand final, I think it was that year, he was actually dropped. Uh, for the grand final I can't quite remember who it was but he he didn't get to play in the grand final yeah and uh, and 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 everyone thought oh poor guy and it was a risk it was a risk the coach took a risk and brought in I'm not sure uh who was brought in I think it was the um the big full forward guy but anyway they brought him in and Geelong won Cam Mooney who came in I was it Cameron Mooney that came in it could have been. Yeah. And someone was dropped. It was one of those. It was one of those sort of things yes. where I do remember where one, where yeah. someone was brought in, it was like, oh boy, this is a risk. But the coach did it because the, the player coming in was better for the team yeah. Yeah. at that time. And this is a really hard lesson to learn. And it's look, it's a corny expression, but there's no I in the word team. No. And it means that for some people and and you hear this when when for example the, there's the team you know it could be a team of three or four or five and here's your task here's your task here's your task and in a basketball team you know your task is to get the ball to the to the shooter or whatever the guys call what is he called? Cameron? I don't know, I don't know either. Thinking, <laughs> I know that's the netball term, but I'm sure it. <laughs> anyway, gets it to the guy wearing GS on his shirt, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's his job. Yeah, that's his job. The little guy has to, you know, get in and crumb the ball and get it to whatever. Same in football with the rover and so on. And that's his job. That's his job now imagine as i heard someone say when michael jordan considered one of the greatest basketball players of all time was playing imagine if someone for the chicago bulls who jordan played for you know there they are time out and the little guy says excuse me coach i I think i i think it's it's appropriate that i say a few words here (laughs) (laughs) you'd imagine how this is going to go down and he says um look look i don't want to bring this up but honestly Michael has been hogging all the goals. <laughs> I think we start, you know, team is about sharing, Michael. You know, mm-hmm. Michael, uh, I think it's only fair that I get to shoot a few goals as well. You know, look, that guy would be la- either hit or laughed out of the yes. stadium because that's not how team works. No. And this is where teams need to realise that you may be given a task, but, but the point of it, and this is where th- there's some myth, certain myths of delegation, the point, the point of having something delegated isn't to give you a job. Yeah. The point of you being delegated something is to get it done. That's the point. And if you don't get it done, the team has to get it done. Yes. And this, I have seen teams, dysfunctional teams, where someone was given a task. And they've let the team down. They haven't done it in the time required. As the this, cricketers said, they haven't done their homework. They haven't done their homework. And yes. hey, hey man, oh man. And don't we have <laughs> a, a, a problem in our Australian test Yes, team. we do. We, we have do. a team problem. Yeah. And so when when we talk about... Uh, well, I mean, this is, a, this is a classic example. What's his name? Agar? What's, Agar, yes. Agar, he, he comes in at number, number 11, 11. Number yes. 11 and gets the gets the highest it's runs. runs. I mean, and you can imagine him coming off the field and, you know, uh, Michael Clark or whatever yeah. says, excuse me, I'm the batter of this team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think If that. I only score seven, you aren't allowed to score eight. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's just we're a team here, Agar. We're a team. <laughs> Don't make me look bad. I mean, that would be the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it wouldn't happen If that was how people thought. And yet I've seen people who have things delegated to them. They don't recognize that the point of the delegation is the deadline, not to give them a job. So for example, if you're a part of a team and everybody is dependent on you to do your bit, and you don't do your bit, the point isn't that we all have to wait for you to do your bit. Yeah. And and then then for you to go, well, hey, it was delegated to me, I've got to do it. That's not the that's hardly the point. The point is that tasks are delegated to a deadline for the team to complete. And that this happens all the time. In families it happens all the time. Now children need to get this. For example, your brother or sister, your sibling is delegated the task of drying the dishes you've just washed up they get someone unexpectedly come to the door and you you realize well you know they're not going to get the dishes dried and you've got guests coming or you've got visitors Mm -hmm. coming and you know how bad it looks to have dishes drying in the drainer do you go well you know hey not my job not my job. No, we're a team. Mm. We're a team. And you develop this culture in a family where you go, you know, hey, obviously they can't dry up now. I'll dry up for them, that's okay. I'm. I'm a team, I'll pick up this. That's how teams work. Mm. Now, what goes around comes around because it could be that someone comes to the door to see you and your brother, sister is able to pick up your task. And so this is where the expression, hey, not my job, is, is not necessarily the catch cry of an effective team. How do you build a stronger team? You, you recognise what the team is trying to do so that individual members are able to work toward the overall mm. objective without getting too precious about it. You know, uh, as I said before, the, the little guy on the Chicago Bulls, if, if he said, listen, Michael's always shooting the goals, Michael Jordan always shoots the goals. All we ever hear is Michael Jordan, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan. You know, give me a break. This is – a team's about sharing. We should all be sharing, you know. We should all be – and you should give me the chance to shoot a goal. Look, that's not how teams work. And and in, in the workplace, it could be that, you know, everybody's there to sell and one guy's selling a lot. And somebody could come up to him and say, uh, you know, hey – you're um, you're selling too much. You got to let us sell some as well. That's not how teams work. That's like Michael Clark saying to Agar, "Don't score so many runs. We're a team. Stop, stop making me look bad." That's not how teams work. No. Let's come back after this song, Karen, and we're going to continue to talk about some of the very practical things you can do to make your team a stronger team, whether it be your family, your marriage, or your business. Yeah, okay, sounds
0: great. Thank you, Dr. Andrew Corbett. Back with him shortly. It's 9.14. Yeah, there's, of course, middle's anything doing working for the man. There's a bit more grunt to that to me personally than than the original version that Roy Orbison brought, brought out. But maybe I'm biased because it's an 80s song. And Dr. Andrew Corbett would probably agree with that. <laughs> Oh, was a pretty
1: good song, isn't it? It is a
0: good song, yeah.
1: Working for the man. There you go. Well, so teams happen in marriages, in families, in workplaces, in sporting clubs, and the dynamics of a team requires a set of skills that the individual doesn't – they're not individual skills. These are extra skills that you need to be able to get along in a team. Now, I think to be a part of a team, you need certain tolerance levels – There are certain things that you're going to just have to put up with, and that should be okay. Some people are really surprised to find who I have as my friends because not all my friends see things the way I see things. And for some people, they they just can't be friends with people who don't see everything the way Mm. they see. And Mm. but you know, some people are surprised that you've got them as a friend. uh, You know, they're they're this or they're that. And this is where you know over the years you just learn that well, some things matter, some things matter less. It's not that they don't matter, it says they matter less and they're not yes. worth dividing or dying over. And, and teams will, will come to that and uh, teams recognise that the, the hard decision has to be made. And this is one of the, the team skills we mentioned before about benching. You, you may feel like you're on the bench. You know, you never get a go. But this is, this is the, the difference between a good team and a great team. This is why businesses, uh, I, I remember when I was working for Coles Meyer and I was a manager with Kmart and we, we, we went from employing full-time um, staff in, in one particular scenario to employing multiple part-time staff. And what that did is it gave us the option of if one of the uh, part-time staff wasn't available, we could bring the other one in. In other words, we we were able to draw on a team Mm. and more or less we were were able to bench someone and and bring them in. And it actually worked out really, really well. And we found that by having older women, um, older women, so over 40, working uh, for us part-time, uh, half weeks we could, we could actually get more out of two part time older women than we could with one full time person the The productivity was enormously greater, so I think a lot of employers realize the value of older people in the workplace, and uh we certainly did at that time, but it shows the value of the bench mm-hmm. now if you 're a part of a team, whether it be a sporting team whether it be a part of a radio team too you know we we have uh, from time to time, Cameron, we're a volunteer organisation. We we need more volunteer announcers. We, we need to develop our bench. Uh, we don't have a great bench at the moment, no. but but we what no. we are hopefully working toward that. But a part of the challenge that we have is we, we're not we're not you know in, coming from a culture of great team. We're coming from a culture where the individual is is paramount. You know your needs, your wants, your whatever. Well. For us at YFM, we operate as a team. Yes. And uh, we're we're so grateful that three or four years ago, we had um, a a huge, well, relatively huge number of volunteers who were working. But, you know, the reality is, and I think people would admit it, is that YFM at that time wasn't as cohesive a team as it is now. As it is now, yeah. And we have uh, a great team, a great team of announcers, a great team of of people behind the scenes, a great team who are helping to make YFM work and we're just so grateful that our supporters are a part of that team. Without supporters, without donors, we can't contribute uh, mm-hmm. to what we're doing. Uh, of course, uh, people might be aware that the government actually legislates restrictions on us. Yes. You know, we are actually restricted by government to how much funds, how much funds we can draw from uh, corporate advertising sponsorship mm, mm. Um, a commercial radio station doesn't have those restrictions no. we do <laughs> so we are absolutely dependent upon our, our donor dollars and for those business sponsors that, that uh, support us we are just so grateful and we hope that our listeners will also show their support to those businesses that support us that, mm. that just really really yes. helps okay so so Teams need to recognize that they're going to make tough calls by putting into the team the people that will contribute to the team mm, to
0: the team, and that's, that's the point to the team. I want to raise is you're not coming in it for yourself if you haven't got a heart for your team or the, the, the thing that the team
1: stands for, then you're not going to be a team player. Yeah so there's another you know, cheesy, corny expression. You could have a team of champions. But they're nothing compared to a champion team. Mm. So, and, and over the years we, we've seen this, where where uh, we, we've got champions who've been brought together. And uh, I, I would say that you know in, in some of the AFL teams, um, the, the, their their players' skill wise and so on are much better than the, than the top players. In fact, e- even uh, if we look at GWS or the Melbourne El- Demons, Melbourne Demons yeah. If you actually look at them, you know, if you if you went down to training and and saw them train, well, let's say the Melbourne Demons, you saw them train, and you go, man, these guys are big, they're bulky, they're strong, they're fast, they've got great skills, they look pretty impressive. Mm. But right now they've got a they've got a pretty serious team dysfunction, yeah, a very serious mm-hmm. team dysfunction, and that's why I look at. The, I would think, and, and I heard the, the coach of Hawthorne, um, what's his name, coach of Hawthorne? Uh, Alistair Clarkson. Alistair Clarkson yes. state this two weeks ago. He said the Geelong Football Club is probably the best football team in the history of football right now. That's what he said. Yeah. And they, they played Geelong and, and lost um, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. But, but he made that point. The Geelong football team right now is probably the best Team in the history of AFL football, and I thought, now that is very gracious of him, Mm. but it's also probably true, and that's I think one of the reasons why Geelong is equal top at the moment, that they they have got this team function
0: really Mm. really well, and they've they've been doing the same sort of function for what seven years. That's the remarkable thing over the last
1: seven years; they have developed Mm. this culture of team. Yes where they they recognize, you know, another cheesy expression, team spells t e a m. Together everyone achieves more. Mm. That you can do more in a successful team when you learn how to get along with each other, mm. how to support each other, how to make each other look better on the field. And so successful teams aren't about me, me, my I. <laughs> They're they're about the team and what the team is trying to do. And I think it takes humility, Cameron, to be a part of a successful team mm. because it, it means that, that there will be times when the spotlight is not yours. It's not mm. on you. The spotlight will be on what the team is doing, not on you and mm. even your involvement in the team. Yes. So whether it be a family, you know, you, you might – do something uh, you might do something for a family member and I think mothers tend to do this probably to their own injury their own hurt they they need to recognise that, that responsibility within team their family yeah. team yeah. is more important than than perhaps the task at hand so that's why we say getting kids to tidy their room is not about tidiness it's about responsibility mm. getting kids to have a chore a task uh, set the table, clear the table, uh, dry up, put the dishes away. Those things are not about those things. Those things are about developing responsibility, responsibility which is necessary mm. for team. And that's where
0: I think having pets are a good thing. I mean, It is. It, for me, um, having a dog, I had to take it for a walk. It was my responsibility yes. to do that. And it t- teaches kids about that. Absolutely, so. absolutely.
1: Mm. Indeed. So... So teams are about sharing responsibility. Mm. Teams are not about you having a role. So, you know, some people get very precious about, you know, that was my job. I was delegated that. That was mine to do. And that just shows that they're not really a team player. Uh, Of course, there, there, there can be, you know, people who delegate poorly. But sometimes people feel... That, you know, they were delegated something and someone has overridden them. Well, the the, the simple test is, did they? I mean, the simple test is, did, did they actually do what you were assigned to do? And mm. did did you get it done in the deadline that you're supposed to do it? And this is where team, you know, a team spirited person will realize, well, actually, you know, they they simply asked me about it. They held me to account. They didn't actually do it. They just held me to account. They didn't actually do it. And it takes it takes honesty, I think, to be able to go. Well, hang on. Now, I'm not thinking like a team player here. <laughs> and this this is a part of the ingredient. Okay, Karen, Marriages are a team. Families are a team. Business yes. businesses are a team. Sporting clubs are a team. Music bands are a team. Music is it? You know, music bands are a team. Yes. But but how about this? Tasmania is a team. Yeah. Tasmania is a team. Yeah right now we are not playing like a team no <laughs> we are not no. all playing on the same side and and i think if we here in tasmania can begin to develop a team spirit where we can realize you know man we fight and squabble over stuff that is just silly we have lots and lots of natural resources that you know despite people saying that mother earth Gaia is being destroyed because we're we're you know utilizing the the resources here in Tasmania the the reality is no it's not that there's plenty of renewable resources here and it can be done sustainably and we can do things better as a team and if we in Tasmania can develop team in our homes in our workplaces in our society in our sporting groups in whatever we're doing I think Tasmania is going to be all the richer for that Cameron and so I hope I've just sown some thoughts into people that we can develop this culture of team to make what we do in life more satisfying because you'll always achieve more if you're part of a successful team and I think Tasmania needs to develop a team culture as well. Cameron I want to thank our listeners and particularly our supporters who have contributed over the last couple of weeks. Mm. It's greatly oh, appreciated, yes. greatly appreciated. We we just really need your help at this time. If you're able to contribute to what we're doing here at YFM, please go online to yfm.org.au slash donate. Give us a call on 63340100 and uh, just help us to keep doing what we're doing. Mm. And I'll be back next Wednesday. With another life skill talk. So I look forward to it. Then,
0: Thank great. you, Dr. Andrew Corbin. And incidentally, if you would, uh, first of all, if you'd like a, a copy of uh, this uh, uh, particular message uh, this morning to download, we'll be up, uh, uploading it onto our website for you to download very, very soon. While you're there, if you are looking for ways to uh, support FM, one of the best ways to uh, support Way uh, in uh, terms of monetary sense it can, is really affordable and valuable at the same time is to become a friend of YFM. It's uh, $8. It starts at $8 a month. That's um, the starting point. Um, You can contribute more a month if you want to, but uh, it starts at $8 a month, which is not much at all, but it goes a long, long way to um, keeping YFM on the FM band. So, yeah, there's a a form to download and then uh, fill out uh, on our website. So go to that today, yfm.org.au. And Dr. Andrew Corbett will be back next week. 9.30 now on YFM. This is Katy Perry now.